Just start screaming no at people on the streets. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I mean, it might be happening, but it's probably not happening, but maybe happening. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Your chocolate chip pancakes are not a condemnation of your friend's egg whites. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You're going to be in big trouble. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about saying no when other parents say yes. Amy, do you have an issue with this? I do have an issue with this. My kids, as you know, some people listening might not have been keeping track of this. My kids are now 15, 14, and 11. I think my youngest has got a year older since the last time I listed my kids. And I do think, as I was reflecting on this, this becomes more of an issue the older your kids get. Would you agree? Yes. It happens at every age and stage, but probably harder and more consequential when the kids are older. Well, for me, I think this really kicks in. I was reflecting this. When does this start? It really kicks in when I think your kids leave the house for school, like start school, start a life outside the home in any way and realize that there are worlds beyond their own. Yes. Pete Wells wrote an article for the New York Times Magazine. It's an old one, but it was a funny one about his five-year-old coming home from kindergarten and saying, Luke says there's a restaurant called McDonald's. And they had been <laughs> a liar. Yeah. He says they have French fries there and they're really good. So he takes his son to McDonald's for the first time after having sort of kept it from him for five years. I kind of thought, yeah, that's probably about right when they start to have social lives. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, sure. When they start interacting with other people outside the house who are not you, they get hip to a lot of stuff that you might have been keeping. My, We did a live show once in, in my hometown, and we were talking about lies we tell our children, and somebody from the audience yelled out, McDonald's is still closed because our McDonald's had been under construction, and it had opened back up. But she was like, no, 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 they're still closed. And she was just waiting for the moment where some other kid was going to tell her kids that McDonald's had reopened. There is this blissful time when my kids were little and the summertime where we'd spend our summers, there'd be this noontime whistle, like from the fire station, old, old fashioned. At, right at noon, there'd be this whistle that the whole town could hear. And my little boys thought that that was the lunchtime and nap time whistle. When you heard that, it was time to eat lunch and then take a nap. And they, as far as they were concerned, that's what everybody in busy town did of all ages and stages. And Yeah. And why wouldn't they? Right. Yeah. My father's version of that was that his father, when they built the Tappensee Bridge, which is in New York, now the Mario Cuomo Bridge, he knew what time to turn the lights on. So he would go over and flick a switch in their house and be like, I should turn the bridge on. <laughs> and so like, they believed that he owned the bridge and he was in charge of turning on the lights every night, probably until they were school aged. So yeah, this is like the sort of like faucet comes on. I have one more story about this, but I think this is very true and funny. My friend Christina, she brought her kids over for like a Sunday night family dinner at our house. Her son was four. And at the time, my kids were, you know, like eighth grade and sixth grade. And of course, they were just sort of like demigods come to earth to walk by him. He couldn't believe that they were amazing. And they let him, they showed him how to play video games. And she's like, here's the problem. We're going to go home now. And George is going to know that there are Xboxes places besides the pediatric dentists. She had convinced her kid that only Dr. Rob had an Xbox. There was one in the whole world. And yeah, we're dealing that right now with the Nintendo Switch, which is the new, you know, must-have game console. And I was like, oh, we don't need one of those. The cousins got one. We're now doomed. Like, we're getting a Nintendo Switch at some point. Like, the cousins have it. Yeah, you're keeping these things 
from the door and then all of a sudden you can't anymore. So this is, I want to give a shout out to Jessica who suggested this topic. She contacted us and said she wanted to hear about how to deal with group situations, which we're going to get to those. I feel like group situations are like level three, so we'll get there. But situations where you parent differently without it causing friendship or family strain. Specifically, once your kids are old enough to ask why there are different expectations. Well, because until they're old enough to ask, there's no issue, right? (laughs) Right. So as soon as, soon as, as they're out, basically ask. cognizant of the fact that they may have different rules than other people, this starts. But the consequences are fairly low of like, why doesn't he have to eat his broccoli and I do? Those are the rules in our house. Fine. It gets a little trickier as you get into like much more complicated and loaded issues. So let's tick off the things that we can have different rules around and enter into conflict. Let's hit some. Like just recently, this is the total, the new third rail, I think, at least in New York City, soda. If you let your kids drink soda, we were out as a group. We went, all the kids went trick-or-treating and then we went to a restaurant and the waitress actually came over and she's like, some of the children at the other end of the table, some have ordered soda. And I just wanted to make sure that was okay. Because apparently she's probably gotten chewed out by some parents in the past for having given them soda. And there were some kids at the table, like mine, for whom I'm like, oh, whatever, like Halloween, you know. Right, have a soda. Have a, like, why stop now? Have a soda. And there are other kids at that table who don't have soda. In fact, my uh, high school sophomore doesn't drink soda, like period, the end. It's the devil. It never passes his lips. And he didn't even really get that from me. I'm thrilled. Like he's better off. But uh, there was a situation where a bunch of parents were at the table and some of the parents don't let their kids have soda and they weren't going to be jerks, but they were sort of like, yeah, no, those two don't have soda. And I'm like, mine do. Guess I'm horrible. It's a weird moment. We'll get deeper into this, but I do think the overall lesson is that different families have different rules. Like we grew up with lots of families who had different religious traditions and yeah, some people don't eat certain things and other people do and that's fine, but our rules are our rules basically. And whether or not there's an overarching like religious connotation to that, or this is just how we choose to go, that's how it kind of comes down. Well, okay. So that takes me to another point about this, but I think it's a really good one. The New York Times Motherload ran just a little story about this. Like, do you have different rules in your house? And it was a really short piece by Lisa Belkin, and I'll, I'll link to it on our show notes at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. But it was one of these things where the commenters, I find the New York Times Motherload commenters are sometimes really wise. And so this woman named Philosopher Gypsy Whoever you are, philosopher Gypsy, although this was good, she says, before you can deal with these issues when they come up, you have to know in your head how important to you they are. And she divides it into preferences and philosophy. So I have a preference that my kid not drink soda or have junk food. I have a philosophy that, you know, that I keep kosher or she uses the example of I don't want my kids to see PG movies unless I'm asked first. And that's philosophical. Right. The preference is something you maybe let go. And the philosophical thing is something you don't let go. So, you know, one can be flexible and one you can be steadfast. And I think that's a really good way to think about it. You need to know those for for yourself, yourself. first of all, as a parent, right? What do do I really care if Maggie has soda at her friend's house? No, I don't. Do I care if she's watching an R-rated horror movie? Yeah, I totally care. Well, and this has become much, much more of an issue. I have a fifth grader. And our fifth grade is middle school in my town just because of how it works out. And so suddenly he's gone from like kind of childlike fourth grader to like fifth grader. The kids all have phones and they're walking into town after school and hanging out together. They've got phones. Some of those kids' phones are unlocked. They have unrestricted access to the internet. 
And it's kind of a nightmare. Like, and he'll come and say, well, so-and-so was showing us this on YouTube. And I have to tell him, if your friends are showing you inappropriate content, you have to say that is inappropriate and I don't want to watch it. Like that's a, a hard job for a fifth grader, a 10 year old fifth grader, but you lose control over what your kid is exposed to. And that material is now like kind of rude YouTube videos, but it's not long before that material is going to become wildly inappropriate. And you've got to try to drill into your kids that like, I expect you not to watch inappropriate things on a screen, whether or not I am there. It's tough. You're steadfast about that. And then you have to explain it to your kid. And this was one of my sort of takeaways, but I think it's pretty obvious that, yeah, you need, when you talk to your child about that, when I've had my own conversations about that, I try to come at it from, there are people on YouTube who are going to try to trick you into watching something that you shouldn't be watching, and it'll be upsetting to you. There are things that kids shouldn't see because they're just too upsetting. And I frame it more in terms of violence than of you know the other stuff. But you have to explain to them, it's not because I said so, it's because it's in your best interest That's to not a really see good the point. stuff that you're not going to understand. and It'll make you feel really yucky, and I don't want you to see that. So you need to follow these rules and make it something that they'll own, right? And then like soda, right? Like soda is, you drink a soda is the same as eating a piece of chocolate cake. I mean, I'll talk to my kids about that. Like, let's just eat our calories instead of drink them. But it's not so important to me. I have to protect them from it in the world. It is to some people. And that's that's well, part and of what we have to talk about next, right? Is when, when somebody else is really intent on something that you're not. And I think it, it dovetails into a point that we've made a lot, which is this practice of handing your child the responsibility for how they interact with things. It's great to start it at five rather than 18. They're leaving at 18 to go to a college dorm where people are drinking and lots of nonsense is going on. And even in high school, they're going to get confronted by vaping and drinking and lots of behavior you don't want them to engage in. And that conversation is a good conversation to start at five. Like, hey, your friend wants to do this and you don't want to do it. How does that feel? That feels tough for you. But here are the reasons. And I think you made a really good point. Rather than just be like, you are not allowed to watch inappropriate content on your friend's phones. You kind of get into a little bit more like, here's why it's a problem. Here's why I don't want you to do it. And that seems to me like a, maybe something I've skipped a little bit that I'm going to try to revisit. It really helps. Like my daughter, she gets headaches when she doesn't, she gets migraines, I mean, bad headaches, when she doesn't get enough sleep. And, you know, we will sometimes spend time under the same roof as her cousins who are allowed to stay up much later as a matter of course. She wants to stay up because her cousin is staying up and we have to manage that. But, you know, we manage it by saying like, it's literally your health, right? It's, it's like, you need to not get a migraine. And so I know you wish you could stay up until one o'clock in the morning, but that's not going to happen. And she has figured that out over time, even though it disappoints her. But of course, here's another important point in these things. You need to have these, in order to maintain your friends and your family relationships, you need to have these conversations ahead of time and offline and with the kid. And you need to have your plan beforehand when you go into these situations where you know the different rules will be in place. And I want to add to this conversation, we talk a lot about ages and stages, but I want to introduce into the conversation, Amy, spaces and places. What? And we're going to do that after this break. 
Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime. I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say. Fun and highly intense, but Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30 30 30. You will get free full access to the entire Beachbody on demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting laughing to 30 30 30. Check it out. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have Bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> and there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently so it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy and I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for <laughs> okay. you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing. So in the rest of this episode, we're going to be talking about how to respect other people's and parents' perspectives, even when ours aren't the same. And that's a tough line to walk, but it's crucial for better communication and better relationships. And you know where else I've been working on this? On the Lasting app. Lasting is one of our sponsors this week, and it is an app that helps couples get their marriages back on track by building lasting relationships. I love this app. There's science, there's research. Margaret, they're singing my song. It's like you're on your home planet when you're right. using this app. You're in your space. Place. My special place, but lasting, it has brought so much clarity to how I understand my relationship with my spouse. Each session just takes a couple of minutes, but I always really learn something. Two adults have two perspectives. That's not bad. That's how people are. And if you stay curious about your partner's inner world, you'll stay connected. Right. And it doesn't have to mean that you're in the midst of terrible problems. You're just looking for insight into the other person, which is always helpful. Absolutely. I mean, every relationship needs work and can be improved and can be made better. And lasting is free to download from the App Store. You can download Lasting and take their free marriage health assessment, but What Fresh Hell listeners can unlock the entire Lasting app and get their first month of Lasting Premium for just 99 cents by visiting getlasting.com and using the offer code FRESH. And again, you can download the Lasting app for free, but to get your first month of Lasting Premium for just 99 cents, go to getlasting.com and enter the code Fresh. Getlasting.com. Build a lasting marriage. 
Amy, we're back. We were talking about ages and stages, but now we're talking about spaces and places. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. can see where this is going and I'm so excited. Go, please go. There are spaces and places where behaving along with other kids is okay. For example, I just went to visit my cousin. She has a 10, 11 year old. I have a six year old. My six year old goes to bed at eight o'clock. Her 11 year old goes to bed much later. We went out to dinner, we were chatting, whatever. We came home quite late. It was a weekend night and the kids were still up. And I was kind of like, my kid missed her bedtime. Oh, no, no, no. And then I realized spaces and places. It's actually okay for her to stay up way past bedtime the one night a year she's visiting with her older cousin in Washington, D.C. Like if we all live together, we would have to work that out, but we don't have to work that out. Spaces and places, it's okay. But see, now in this situation, I totally agree, but this is the perfect example, I think, of when you, it can get tough when it's, I'm the the sister-in-law that's like, yeah, no, but my kid really does need to go to bed at nine o'clock because she has health issues. And part of you is going to be inside like, oh, what the hell? Like, she's such a pain in the rear. Like, oh, she's such a, she's so over the top with these kids. Just let them stay up a little late. If you're the one who feels that way and somebody, you're the one who says yes when another parent is saying no and coming in, Obviously, you shouldn't play that out in front of the kids, but sometimes people do. And I've been on both sides of that. And that's why this is so fraught, because sometimes people make it implicitly or explicitly clear that they don't agree. Can I give you a story? I was on a Halloween weekend at like a at a family place in the Poconos where you can do all kinds of fun stuff. It's called Woodlock Pines. They're not a sponsor, but it's a great place to go with your family. Anyway, they had a hayride and they had, you know, a version during the day that was for little kids. And my kids were little. Like my kids were like afraid of Buzz Lightyear at the theme dinner. You know, they were little. And there was a hayride <laughs> during the day and then there was a haunted hayride after dark. And we were walking out of dinner. Like again, my kids were little. We were gonna watch the movie after dinner and go to bed. And this mother was like, are you guys doing the haunted hayride tonight? And they looked at me and I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do some other stuff. And she was like, why not? And I said, you know, I just, I'm not sure that it's really appropriate for their age group. What's the big deal? Oh, mom, who cares? This was a stranger that was in front of my kids questioning my decision, which was definitely the right one, not to send them on this like you know, those like haunted houses stuff, like the more on the cheap they do them, the more terrifying they are. Like this one would just have been 19 year olds with like fake blood all over their faces, like actually grabbing you as you went by. Like it would have been, it would have been the worst. And I was pretty sure that I was right about this. And I had this parent just like really pushing it in front of my kids that I was making a bad call. So I'm going to go back to one of my favorite screeds on this one though. The world doesn't come to your kids, you know? So you were right. You held your ground. But like right now, I feel like we are living the age of the a thousand articles that are like, don't contradict me in front of my kids. Don't ever say these nine things to a parents of twins. Like that is going to happen over and over again. So like you're defining what your rules are for your kids is fine. I would say find some places where you don't, where the rules are lax. Like we don't bring soda into the house. My kids don't drink soda, but if they're out somewhere and everyone's drinking soda, I'm like, yeah, you can have a soda out at dinner. It's fine. Like in this place, this behavior is fine, but I don't let my kids play Fortnite for an example, anywhere. That is not trumped by place. That doesn't happen. I don't let my kids watch inappropriate things on phones. We often go to people's houses and they're like, oh, let's let the kids watch YouTube. And I'm like, is there something else we can do? Because my kids don't watch YouTube. 
It's just like, I don't like them exploring the world of crazy YouTube stuff. Otherwise, kids, while they're doing that, you can go in the backyard. It's annoying to be that parent. People think I'm annoying. My kids get mad at me. But that is not a places rule for me. That's a tried and true rule. It's going back to what they were saying about the preferences and the philosophy. Yeah, exactly. like exactly. That's, that's a philosophy. This woman wasn't going to change my mind. She just was seriously working my last nerve that she was like, and her kids, by the way, were teenagers. Like, I guess my, I was making a simpler point, which is just don't be that person. I should hope that we shouldn't have to just don't do that. Like, don't question another person's parenting choices in front of their kid. Don't do that ever. Don't do that when it's I your brother-in-law. I completely agree with you philosophically, you but those people are always going to be in your life. Those people are always going to be there. Right. And so when it happens, I suppose that it's good for... And so, you know, I talked to my kids afterwards and said, you know, I just think it's going to make you really scared. You're going to be up tonight. And I don't think you want to do that. And let's go do this extra fun thing instead. And and then I eventually had to go to one of my favorite rules because they were still like, but everybody, you know, that kind of thing. I had to go to the man said, or the lady said, which as you know, is one of my favorite. Yes. You like the outside, Trump what do you cards. call the outside authority figure? The outside authority figure. Yeah. The, no, the lady said you have to be, because this is the kind of place where you have to be a certain tall to ride the go-karts and a certain tall to go to the skating rink without your parents. So I, I said, no, no, you have to be you have to be as tall as the bumper boats to go on the haunted hayride and that that they could accept and no more talking about it right and it you're exactly right preference philosophy if it's a preference it's fine to let it go in a different place i prefer my kids to go to bed on time most nights of the year it is not my what, what's the other one it's not my philosophy that my kids must be in bed at 8 30 every single night right another thing we do with this is on family vacations we have a little it's mostly just myself and my sister our kids are the same age we have a little rule meeting beforehand very brief i mean it's like a three conversation. But I'll say like, what are we doing about screens this week? And she'll say, do you want to bring no screens at all? How about we don't bring screens? And I'll say, I think it's actually going to stress my kids out. And the whole vacation is going to be like, this would have been fun, but it ruined us because we weren't (laughs) allowed to bring screens. What if we do screens are allowed between the time you get up and 830 in the morning and not for the rest of the day? Oh, that'll work for all of us. Great. We just agree on something that works for all of us. And bedtime, the same thing. Like who should sleep in what room? The kids who wake up early should sleep together and the kids who don't, you know, like try to see some of this conflict coming if you're doing like a vacation that's going to last a longer time. It's definitely easier to stick your head in the sand, not have the conversation with the other parents, particularly when they're family members. But yeah, that's short-term comfort for long-term resentments when you're not- And as it's just a basic takeaway- I do think that the more you can have this conversation not in front of your kids, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Because when the kid is watching all the parents be like, what is it that problem? And I have said this on the podcast before. I generally think unless it is your child has a health problem, you're, you've got a, a real, like you absolutely do not want your kids ever tasting soda, whatever it is. I, my basic default is I default to the rules of the house that I am in unless it is something that is a philosophy. So basically, I'm trying to think of the example that we used on the podcast before, but like, I'll give you an easy example. In Texas, my nieces and nephews say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to their parents. That is how, in place of basically please and thank you. Would you like another serving, another hot dog? Yes, ma'am. And I do try to have my kids say that when we're in Texas. That's their tradition. 
And they don't always get it right. But I'm like, as long as you say, yes, thank you, it's fine. No one's screaming at you. But like, all right, let's try to observe the tradition of the house that we're in. We have talked about this because I remember saying at the time that before I was a parent and I'd be on the receiving side of, you know, ask Miss Amy if you can have more grapes or whatever. And I'd say like, oh, you don't have to call me that. They can just call me Amy. It's fine. But that's undercutting a, a philosophical household rule of theirs. I used to really go to the mat on calling people by their last names because that's what I prefer. And I have people who it drives crazy. I think friends of mine, it feels old to them when people are like, ask Mrs. Smith, oh, call me Linda or whatever. I do usually respond by saying, we prefer to have kids call people by their last names in my house. But I try not to make it just a giant, crazy battle. I always refer to them by their last name to my kids. And if the parent is totally battling me back, again, I wish they wouldn't. I wish they would just say like, oh, that's your household rule. Okay. Even if I don't really love being called that, that's your household rule. Fine. But I try not to get locked into a battle when you're in this situation. Yeah, this is the sort of flip side of the situation, but this is also something we all have to deal with when we're saying yes and another parent is saying no and you're with them. We vacation with the family sometimes who they're super, super healthy and the kids are on very restricted diets, not for religious or health, you know, specific health reasons, just, you know, like this free, that free, gluten, you know, like very limited diets. And when we sometimes vacation with them, I'm letting my kids have chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast and their kids are having scrambled egg whites and they're sitting at the same table. These other parents don't say anything to make me feel uncomfortable. My kids won't eat scrambled egg whites for breakfast. Like nobody's got a problem with it on the outside, but I feel really weird in that situation that I'm being more permissive with my kids, even though. It isn't, I'm not letting them, you know, watch whatever they want on YouTube until two o'clock in the morning. Like I am okay with chocolate chip pancakes, but I feel uneasy about it when my kids are exposed to something that's much more strict. It's a great, great rule for your kids to learn in life. People operate in different ways and we can live side by side while operating in different ways. It's a great takeaway for your kids. Some people eat this, some people eat that. I mean, my kids now are six eight and 10. And I feel like right now, this is a big conversation in our house. Why is he allowed to have a gun? Why is he allowed to play Fortnite? Why are they allowed to do this? What phones in the schools? Like a lot of the kids have smartphones. My kid doesn't have a smartphone. Why are they allowed? We've just decided that we're going to give you that later, period. That's what we're going to do. And if I hear about you in school, watching anything inappropriate on another friend's device, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be in the kind of trouble you don't want. But I guess what shouldn't factor into this and sometimes does is the like, oh, I feel weird now. I was at a friend's house last week. We were sharing a glass of wine and she felt the need to apologize to me that her kid was playing video games in the next room. And I know he kind of plays too much lately and said that my head wasn't going there. Like she felt that she needed to explain to me why she was being lax about this rule at this time in her family's life or her kid's life. And I wasn't judging her, but she felt judged. And she needed to sort of defend it. Does that make sense? Amy, I have a very, very crucial insight on that, which was one of my greatest life lessons. And oh. I'm going to share it with you right after this. Oh, boy. And now, things you'd never think you'd have to say before having kids. Oreos are not a breakfast food. Why are there footprints on the ceiling of the playroom? Please do not rub peanut butter on yourself again. You should never 
touch your brother's eyeballs for any reason. Legos do not belong inside your body, ever. Tampons are not a toy. No, we cannot take the beach home with us. Stop crying. When I said get off your screens now, I mean now, like the time that is presently now. So not five minutes from now, just regular now. I can't understand what you're saying when you only use your robot voice. Please don't lick the dog. When you are outside, you always need to be wearing pants every time. No, you cannot wear your Darth Vader costume to church. It is not against the rules for your sister to look at you. I do not want to see your penis again today. Do you understand me? This has been Things You'd Never Think You'd Have to Say Before Having Kids from the What Fresh All podcast. Okay, greatest advice I ever got or kind of had a revelation about. When I was post-college working in comedy, a lot of time spent like breaking down everything everyone we knew was doing. Like, could you believe she did that at the party? Da, 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 da. Oh my God, it doesn't she have the weirdest voice. And I mean, it was kind of observational comedy to each other, but it was a lot about picking apart other people. And what I realized eventually was that I was having a crisis of personal self-confidence because I was spending so much time talking about other people. The flip side of that was I assumed other people were thinking bad things about me all the time. And I had a boyfriend at the time. And at some point I was going on and I was like, well, I know that she thought I was talking too much and I was going on and on at dinner. And he literally like reached over and held my hand and he said, your whole world would change if you could realize how rarely anyone else ever thought about you and what you were doing. And it was like scales fell from my eyes. Oh my God, revelation. And I think some of this issue overlaps with that. Like we can parent in our own way in parallel to other people without it being a condemnation of the way other people are parenting. Your chocolate chip pancakes are not a condemnation of your friend's egg whites and her egg whites are not a condemnation of your chocolate chip pancakes. You are just making different parenting decisions side by side and that is okay. It's that we project onto it as we're sitting here, all Amy is thinking about is how much my kid is playing video games in their room. You're not thinking that. Right. No one's really thinking like, oh, your kid has migraines, you're an uptight parent, blah, blah, blah. You just say, my kid has a health issue, which means that sleep is paramount. So whatever else anyone else is doing, we're going to concentrate on getting her a good night's sleep. People are not then gathering in a coffee clutch and be like, can you believe Amy is so annoying? That part of the equation is not happening. Or even if it happened ever or once or whatever, it shouldn't be affecting how you raise your kids. Absolutely. And I would just argue strongly that it's not happening as much as you think it is. I mean, it might be happening, but it's probably not happening, but maybe happening. I just think free yourself from the part of the story of like, what will other people think? think. You have your values. Your values are important. You have things that are spaces and places, and you have things that are absolute. So like for me, spaces and places, it's like, okay, they can play a little more video games at this house. They can drink soda when they're out here. They can stay up later if they're visiting with these people, but they cannot watch inappropriate content. Not going to happen. Any space and place, that's not going to happen. And so if kids are doing that and I take my kids outside, the people who are left behind are thinking, Meg thinks she's better than us. That is not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking for my own reasons that I won't even really go into, I have kids who are probably a little bit more susceptible to seeing inappropriate things and repeating them and not knowing they're inappropriate. And so I choose not to let them see that stuff. It has nothing to do with you and your kids and how you're raising your kids. I think you're all doing a great job. I'm 
making choices that make sense for us. Can we talk about the what makes it even a little more intense? I'm going to sure. ratchet it up. What happens when you have different rules from your co-parent? And I'm talking about in the same house and even more fraught when it's not in the same house and you're divorced, you're parenting your kids at your ex-spouse's house sometimes where there might be different rules and how do you handle that? I mean, this isn't something we have dealt with from personal experience, but... Well, the not agreeing in your own house is important. And I think this is something that comes up with like, let's say in-laws. I hear so many people who get crazy on the thing of like, my in-laws feed my kids too much sugar. Like, okay, but to me, it's spaces and places. Like they go to grandma's house and they eat a lot of candy. Like, I don't care about that. I guess there are people who do, but I are people who like, do, right. And we just were saying that that's your decision, but it is your decision. But I would just, in general, I would ask you, I've used my improv rule before that like in improv, you act like the other person is right. Just open yourself up to the mind of like, let me hear this other person's take on this. If you are absolutely committed to your children never eating sugar and your in-laws want to see them, they have to go with your rules. But I would ask you to see if you can make that a spaces and places thing for yourself. Well, but maybe for some people, junk food isn't, but there might be something else that spaces and places like they pull out the iPad rather more than I would like for my three-year-old, but we don't do that at home. You have to decide. I guess you can't have 18 hard and fast rules that can't ever change in spaces and places. You're going to have to decide what is philosophical and what is preference and the preference stuff maybe let some of that go by the wayside and you have to pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. And I think it it can be very much a control oriented thing of like, everyone's got a parent exactly the same way I do. And that's just so unrealistic that at a certain point, I think it's important to take stock of that stuff, but have conversations obviously with your spouse. My spouse and I disagree about stuff. He's, I mean, guns was one issue for us where I was like, oh, I don't want guns. And he's like, are you kidding? Like guns are fine. I grew up in Texas and toy guns, part of our lives. And we actually have kind of come out with like, they play more with toy guns when they're in Texas than they do when they're at our house, which Mm -hmm. I think is appropriate. There are places that different things work for me, but getting on the same page about stuff with your spouse is important. Having those conversations, but also spouses do things differently. And like everyone has had the experience with their kids. Like daddy says it's okay. It's like, well, I don't say it's okay. And I'm the one who's here now. Fine. When you're co-parenting with a spouse who's outside the house, that is a completely different and super tough issue and probably something we could do a whole episode about. But I still think your basic dialogue is like, my house, my rules. You know, when it's possible, I think it's the consistency. Consistency among parents, whether you're in one house or two households, helps the kids feel safe. And so it's important to have consistency. And the discussions around the inconsistencies need to happen not in front of the kids. And that's true even if you live in the same house, right? I agree that the consistency is helpful, but I also think that seeing that people behave in different ways and everyone pretty much gets through it is another important lesson. They're going to college at 18, you know? And so if your rule has always been like, this is, I had a roommate from college who never ate sugar growing up in her whole life. And then she got to college and literally like went nuts and was eating a bag of Oreos for dinner. And she eventually had to go see a nutritionist who like drew the plate for her and was like, meat, vegetable, you know, and kind of helped her recalibrate the world that was in between you're never having sugar and you're going to eat 
more things that you want to eat. And so I think the freedom of like going back and forth to different places that have different rules, it can be a good thing too. I want to talk about something that happens when your kids get older, you know, when they're teenagers and they start to have different rules over all sorts of things, how late they can stay out, where they're going, can they have their phones in the room at night? You know, as the world gets bigger, the sort of variation in the freedom they're allowed to have can get more obvious, including to them, right? And so I have conversations now with my high schooler about why is this person allowed to do this and I'm not? Why is that that person allowed to do that because that's crazy? You know, and we talk a lot about the different boundaries that he has versus his friends. And there are times when that conversation has led to, I think, him really understanding and internalizing that the rules we have for him are good for him and are protecting him. And there are times when I have been able to reconsider something that I thought was so important because he was able to talk to me about what other kids are doing, what other parents are doing. I mean, it's possible to change your mind. And I don't think that holding the line on everything is always required if you're like, "Mm, this was more preference than philosophical. Okay, I guess it is okay with me if you do that. I think it's good for your kids to see that they can talk to you about the reasons behind your rules. And maybe things will change because of that. And maybe they won't. But if they won't, they also get a clearer sense of your reasoning behind the rules rather than because I said so, which gets harder and harder to use as your reasoning when they get old enough to argue with you. Absolutely. And I want to kind of wrap by saying that standing up for your values and what you feel is right behavior for your children is a muscle that you should allow them to exercise because it needs to get stronger starting from the time they're very young so that they have it ready when they're in high school and college. Like I struggle with this as a high schooler, just being very, very susceptible to peer pressure and like wanting to fit in and not really finding myself strong enough to say no to situations that I knew like somehow were wrong for me. And I think having a five-year-old who understands that like some people do this, but we do this. Having a 10-year-old who's saying, actually, I have to leave now because I'm not allowed to watch inappropriate content on other people's phones. Letting them flex that muscle is such an important life skill that is going to serve them so well in high school and college. And it occurs to me that when we're feeling the peer pressure that we're talking about, like, oh, Egg White's mom is judging my chocolate chip pancakes kids, and she's probably not, but I feel like she is, but I'm holding the line that that's peer pressure of our own that we need to engage with and model holding the line on what's really important to us, despite pressures. Oh, it's Christmas. Let them do this. It's okay for for our kids to see us engaging with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, these are the models that are going to be what our kids' lives are really about. Like, we believe in this thing. And so we act this way. And we do that whether or not we're around people who act differently. And you do it whether or not I'm watching you. Philosopher Gypsy, this anonymous commenter that I keep quoting, I thought put this really well, that to think about, right, the things that are really important to you and the things that are kind of important to you that might be a little more spaces and places flexible. She says, you need to think hard about what the values you want your kids to grow up with and share them with them. And if you don't do that, then you end up with go along to get along which is not great, which is not great for your kids. It's not great for yourself. Not going to serve you well. Wow, we solved it. All right, we're going to have differences of opinion about this stuff, but we do it offline, not in front of the kids. We're going to clarify for ourselves what are spaces and places and what are absolutes. 
we're going to explain the reasoning behind the things that are very important to us, to our kids beyond this is our rule and because I said so and respect my authority. And we're going to let our kids go out and train the muscles of standing up for their own values in the face of peer pressure. We solved it. We got it. We (laughs) nailed that one, Amy. Nailed it right down. Guys, we want you to continue on this conversation. I feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff we can talk about on the Facebook page about this. So come to facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And when we post this episode, we're going to continue the conversation about it underneath. We also have a lively conversation over on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And we're on Twitter too, WFH podcast. We didn't have a lot of studies or research today, but I like to post all kinds of interesting research and studies and articles, things that come out that are pertinent to parenting in today's world on our Twitter page. So if you like that stuff, follow us there. And also on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Guys, please go read Amy's studies. She works so hard to post them for you. You know, I wanted to tell you guys something as we leave today, which is that Facebook, as you guys might know, is changing the rules of how their newsfeed works and they're continuing to tinker with it. And as that happens, our ability to reach our audience or anybody's ability to reach their audience on Facebook is going down. When we post new episodes, it reaches fewer and fewer people organically. So if you're counting on Facebook as a way to see our stuff, you may or may not even be seeing it. So there's two ways to fix that. One is to go to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com and join our mailing list. And then you get emailed every time we have a new episode. Or, and both, you can subscribe. So make sure you're going to iTunes and subscribing or wherever you get your podcast and subscribing. Then you will automatically, it'll just pop up on your phone every Wednesday and you'll be happy as a clam. We have uh, directions on how to subscribe on your Apple or Android phone on our uh, sidebar of our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. So if you don't know how to do it, we walk you through it. And with that, guys, go out and just say no to people who are saying yes. Just start screaming no at people on the streets. That's our advice. And Be very judgy. Be very judgy. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.